Father, I thank you for this privilege to have this time with this group again, and I just ask that you would bless us with just practical tips, success stories, and relevant information on how to just kind of start, how to get out there, how to try some things. And we just need wisdom from above today, and I ask for your guidance now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I had a fantastic question from a, a parent that just uh, approached me that I don't have on my slides. Um, so the question was, like, well, when do I start my kids? What do I do if my kids end up exhibiting, like, absolutely zero self-control? My recommendation, this is the thing that makes it really difficult. We live in a society now where kids have iPhones at the age of, like, seven or eight, maybe even younger than that, and which I personally wouldn't agree with. I would limit that. I mean, even people who work in Silicon Valley and Steve Jobs didn't want their kids anywhere near those devices for years. Um, I don't have data. I don't have a thus saith the Lord on this. My recommendation is to wait at least until they're in their teens, right? At least until like the mid to late teens, personally. Here's one of the reasons why, and a very good reason why. What this girl went through is case in point why having people get access to them whenever we don't know who they're communicating with and how, stuff like this happens, right? People get kidnapped, they get put into trafficking and slavery and other things because they don't think it's that big of a deal. This person doesn't seem like they're that mean. Their profile picture looks friendly. We video chatted, they seem like a friendly person. There's just too many variables that as a parent, it's difficult to navigate through. So I would recommend just from my own personal recommendation, I'm not quoting science, I'm not quoting the Bible, the Spirit of Prophecy, take it or leave it. I would say mid to late teens, right? Like when they can drive or later, right? Ish, somewhere in that age range. And I know that isn't very palatable to hear as a young person when there's 10-year-olds on Facebook, but there's so much stuff going on there that they are not prepared to handle in, in their lobes, right, in the things that are going on in their brain, that it's far better to wait to introduce than to introduce and try to pull them away. It's twice as hard. And I've seen it time and time again with giving kids access to stuff and then trying to pull it away from them. You get mutiny. Kids will leave their homes over stuff like this. Like, they'll just run away. Um, so that would be my recommendation. That's not an inspired statement. Argue with me after the fact, but that would be my personal recommendation. Um, we'll kind of go through some of the hows now, and I'll try to do some more research on this between now and GYC, and you can listen to that recording then on that particular topic, because that's something I need to deal with. Now, how do we engage in social media in a safe, responsible, and evangelistic way? First question is, what am I posting? Right, like what, what should I post? How should I post? Well, here's my overall recommendation when it comes to the approach to social media. Seek to grow relationships and friendships by connecting with people, but not grow a love and a tolerance for the things that ensnare them, right? This is kind of that lot scenario. Can I find a way to live a righteous life, but not be comfortable around the things that I know I shouldn't be comfortable around? And we each individually need to lay those things before the Lord as to how to invest and how to go forward. But this is the objective, right? Now, do your homework. Who is it that's in your friend feed? What I recommend that you do right now, well, not right now because I'm talking, but afterwards, sometime today, is to go to the friend sections of your social media outlets and just do an inventory. Adventist, non-Adventist, not Christian at all, from what you know, right? Some people you may not know because they're a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, but somehow they want to be your friend. And just 
kind of get an inventory for who is it that sees the stuff that I post. My friend Sean Brace just mentioned something about this the other day, that sometimes I think as Adventists, we get a little insular and we forget that there's non-Adventists reading our posts. Now, I'm not saying that you abandon your view of truth or so forth. Don't misunderstand me. My point is they may have no idea what you're talking about. I'll give you an example. My mom is not an Adventist, but my mom is open and uh, I took her with me to stand for Gap today because I didn't have time to go to South Bay. And Clifford Goldstein was preaching. And I asked her, what'd you think of the message? And she said, I have no idea what that guy was talking about. Like I couldn't follow him. Um, for some people, it's easier to follow Cliff reading than it is in a message. If you have no context, right? She's not a Sabbatarian. She's not an Adventist. She's not a scientist. So it's something that she just couldn't fully understand. So if a lot of what you're posting is, is solely Spirit of Prophecy quotes, or other things that people can't understand, keep in mind that there's people I have access to that I can influence that may not get what I'm talking about right now. How can I explain this in a way that doesn't downplay or water down truth, but I can contextualize it to these people? Does that make sense? Right? It's just like going into the mission field. Right? I, I can't say things a certain way around these folks because they don't know what that word means. Right? When I have to do a week of prayer at a grade school, I talk differently than I do at academies or colleges because the understanding is different. Well, we have been given an enormous amount of light as a movement. Not everyone that we're speaking to or posting to understand that. So it's just some things to think about. Do your homework. What, and who are you trying to reach? You got to research these people. What is it that they're thinking? What is it that they're talking about? How can I find ways to, to kind of get them to think, right? I'm not just saying, like, when I post John 3.16, the whole world will be converted tomorrow. But what are ways that I can kind of contextualize what I need to share with them? What is it that gets their gears turning? What if this, I'll give you a great example. I was on an airplane flying out to speak at a youth retreat in Northern California. And the guy sitting next to me isn't a religious person. He lives with his girlfriend. And, but we were talking and like, he's frustrated by liberals and conservatives. He's frustrated by both of them. He feels like we're being a little too narrow-minded in a sense of if you're not one of us, you're one of them, which means that we can't have civil discourse, right? And we do that in the church too. You're one of them. I'm one of these. We don't play in the sandbox together. And when we do, it leads to the death of Jesus, at least with the Pharisees and Sadducees, right? How can we have discourse that's helpful and reasonable? So I'm talking with this guy and I said, hey, you know, I'm a Christian, but I actually believe that the things that we do on this earth directly impact the world that we're living in, right? When we're selfishly pillaging our natural resources, it's causing difficulty in this planet. I'm a Christian, and I don't believe the way that other Christians are treating Muslims is acceptable. Whether we agree with them or disagree with them, right? And there's really good explanations to be given for a lot of that. The point is, if we just cast off an entire people group as like the worst thing that's ever happened to the planet, well, who's going to tell these folks about Jesus with that mentality? Right? You've got to find some way to build bridges and have conversations. Seventh-day Adventists have amazing opportunities to witness to Muslims because we don't eat pork. Right? We shouldn't be drinking. Right? I would say we don't, but we shouldn't. Um, it just happens. Um, we believe in modesty. Right? There are things that we have in common. They actually believe in the second coming of Jesus. Right? There's things that we have that we can build bridges with with these individuals. So I was able to share things with him. They're like, hey, I'm actually really health conscious. I think the stuff I put in my body matters. I don't just eat whatever I want. And it was so awesome to be able to have a dialogue with this guy who wasn't a Seventh-day Adventist, who wasn't even a religious person, who we could have a really good conversation together because we saw eye to eye on issues. So if you see that someone's really into health, right? They're into like new age veganism. 
Well, guess what? You got some bridges that you can work with. Why not post some articles on health and maybe start showing the link between health and spirituality, right? Show that, hey, the Bible actually teaches these principles that are being taught by New Agers. There's ways in which you can build bridges. Does that make sense? But you got to find out who you're talking to. Who are you trying to reach? And then use a broad, a broad brush, if you will. When you're posting, think about what you're saying and how the people who follow you or are friends with you would respond, right? And again, sometimes you got to say what's got to be said, but be tactful, right? Sometimes people said, I told them the truth. Did you give them your name first, right? Did you tell them about your friend Jesus? Or are you just giving them the, the goods? Here's the thing about social media. Content is king. Most of the viral videos on social media are not cinematically produced. And I work for a media ministry who's trying to create cinematically produced stuff. Use what you have, right? You can post text, you can post pictures, you can do pictures with text over them, inspirational things. But if there's a good friend of mine, and I'll cover him in a moment, his name is Jasper. He's Filipino, and he was an associate pastor in Jakarta, Indonesia. Went to AFCO Philippines, taught at AFCO Indonesia, and he's actually doing a seminar with me at GYC later this year. But Jasper wanted to get into filmmaking, but he doesn't have a lot of money. And the way in which some filmmakers talk, it's all about the gear. You got to have the nicest stuff and you can't make anything with that trash. There's kind of this gear snobbery that takes place. Well, the problem is that discourages people from doing something because I can't do anything until I have X equipment. And it ends up discouraging people from finding that they had gifts that they could develop and grow, and then they can get better gear as they go. So Jasper, thankfully, was encouraged and mentored by people who said, hey, don't worry about that stuff. Use what you got. So what did he start with? A phone and a GoPro, and one of the mounts on the GoPro fits perfectly over this IKEA kitchen timer. So he started doing time lapses of like sunrise and sunset with a GoPro on top of a kitchen timer and just let it go. He started with that. And then when he got some money, he was able to get some form of DSLR and started filming things. But he was honing his craft with what he had, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. He used what Jesus gave him. He threw his staff on the ground and did what he could. So use whatever you have. And again, a lot of the videos that go viral, like Charlie bit my finger was a cell phone video. It just blew it up, right? So there's, there's ways that you can still get traction. There's a famous YouTuber, his name is Casey Neistat, who's kind of like the golden boy of YouTube. And this guy, he said the best advice he ever got when it came to YouTube was three words from Roman Atwood. Just keep uploading. Just keep getting content out there. And as you do it, you get better. You find out what worked and what didn't. And you're going to have to do some kind of assessments. I made these posts. It went well with these people. These people didn't respond. Right? And just kind of start calculating and recalibrating as you go. There's kind of a science to it. It's kind of hard to really pin down, but that's what I recommend. Just keep getting content out there and see what you can do. Post things that are relevant to young people and what they wrestle with. Right? Social media is full of young people, and our movement is grappling to land the airplane in their living rooms. We're really wrestling to find ways to get them in and to get them involved. And there's stuff that's killing them on social media. How do we get them involved? So I've been to 22 academies around North America, and what I have here are some questions that I get in Q&A sessions with young people around the country. We're actually developing a program for 3ABN uh, called Raw Questions, Real Answers, doing this very thing, taking heavy questions from young people and giving them Christ-centered answers. We're going to use social media and other platforms and 3ABN. But I just want to give you kind of a, I may not read all of these, but these were like the heaviest ones. I just want to kind of give you a synopsis of what I'm finding 
is the mentality and what's going through the heart and mind of many of our youth. And these are Seventh-day Adventist young people. These aren't coming from other churches. These are our young people. Help me please understand where God is when I'm crying and alone and when I'm ready to take my own life because I've been on this road so long and it's awful. The path to heaven is a fiery hell. This is a pastor's kid, by the way. I don't understand the meaning of my life. I feel alone. God doesn't give any evidence that he's there. I know he hates me because he's never seemed to care. Why am I such a failure? I gave up such a long time ago. When will God become real in my life? These are questions that are going through the minds of young people in our own movement. Uh, If I can't enjoy Christianity here on earth, where I should need it the most, how can I live in heaven for eternity? It makes me just want to have as much fun as possible till I die and then burn it off in hell. Christianity is just a set of do's and don'ts. Now, I don't endorse these statements, obviously. These kids are wrestling with some serious heart issues. But these are the questions that are coming up in their own hearts and minds, and they're not finding platforms to address these directly in a way that speaks to them. So they feel that they're suffering alone. They feel just like Amanda did. I'm alone and no one is here. Not knowing that there's a treasure trove of information just around them. But we don't recognize that they're wrestling with these things, and we don't know how to contextualize it to them. I want to go to heaven, but I feel like I'll never be good enough or be able to follow all the Christian standards. And I don't even know if I want to. I'm tired of people trying to force and tell me what I can or can't do and dress like, etc. And I'm tired of not having any control of things I want to do. I feel like God's too controlling, even though I realize it might just be people making him out to be that way. But then I think... Well, they're definitely spiritual, so maybe they're right. And then I realize I'm never going to be able to give or want to give these things up. I'm afraid to read the Bible because I'm scared of what it will tell me. This person's wrestling with actually coming to a full surrender to God, and largely because their picture of God is negative and unhealthy. Uh, I know I'm going to hell, and I'm starting to accept that. I know God is a loving God, and He only wants what's best for me. What should I do? I don't feel like I'm ready to follow God and all his rules. I just want to live while I'm young. What we do find is whenever people get over-regulated and over-controlled, it leads to the French Revolution. It leads to absolute wholesale rebellion. And Ella White mentions a lot of times, particularly the topic of education and in the raising of our children, this, this, this thing called self-governance. Not leaving them to sow their wild oats, but we're actually training them to think. We're training them to think for themselves and to make intelligent decisions in a safe environment so that when they leave us, they know what to do. But if we're not letting them make decisions because we want to protect them from all the evil in the world, the problem is they've only been taught to obey to stay out of trouble. And this is where it gets really scary. If they're only obeying to stay out of trouble, what do you do when an image is erected to the beast on the plain of Dura? We're literally preparing our kids for slaughter in the day of crisis because we never taught them to think for themselves. They were just taught to obey. And what do you do when the state speaks louder than a present truth preacher? So we have to teach these people to think, to resonate, to to, to actually reason through things and to show them healthy pictures of God. God isn't controlling. God actually is going to honor your choice over his. We have to enable these young people to see this. So we need to be developing content that addresses issues like this. We need to be posting things that get them to think, right? I feel so alone. God, the faceless being, seems to have favorites. He for sure doesn't like me. He has shown himself in many ways to other people, yet not to me. Does God care? 
had a friend who was raised in a family that seemed to me were forcing religion and good grades in school. While my friend did good in school and knows the Bible more than the average kid his age, six years later he's now 20 years old, using drugs, very sexually active, and has attempted suicide on a number of occasions. And their point was, I don't know how to reach this person. Their parents think that I can, but they can't. Hmm. How do I know that God exists? Whenever I ask him to help me, he's never there. Like I've lived the Christian life, done all the quote-unquote right things, yet he's just not there for me. It's like praying to a wall. I'm not willing to give up anything for God. How could I be willing to want to want to be willing to love him? Especially how can I love enough to be willing to die for him? They understand what God expects, but they don't understand how to get there. This is something I see quite regularly, is they think God wants obedience, but God's wanting me to do the obedience myself. And I tried it and I failed. So there's only one or two options I can come up with then. I'm a loser and might as well quit. Or two, God is unreasonable and isn't worth following. I see this continually. Young people are wrestling tenaciously with, can I actually be saved? Does God actually love and accept me? Assurance of salvation. I literally spend more time convincing young people that they can be saved than anything. And it's not because that's the only thing I want to talk about. It's because it's so prevalent. 3BN is getting an alarming amount of phone calls in their pastoral department from Seventh-day Adventist adults and pastors who have no assurance of salvation. And they're getting an equally alarming amount of phone calls from Seventh-day Adventist adults and pastors who are sure that they're saved because of what they do. So why do you think our kids are wrestling with an ill-healthy picture of God? These are the parents and grandparents of our children. We have this situation going on in our movement that we have such phenomenal answers. If you read the Conflict of the Ages series, it's one of the most beautiful pictures of God given to humanity. But somehow that connection from this picture of God, let alone Scripture, obviously... Somehow that picture of God is not making its way in here. And there's a really good reason. In Revelation 12, he's referred to as the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us before God day and night. And by accusing us before God, he's accusing God. We have to have healthier pictures of God. It's actually one of our hermeneutical lenses. It's one of the things that leads me to interpret Scripture rightly, is my view of God. And if I think God is a monster looking to get me, I'm going to look at texts that reaffirm my view of God. I'm going to view them that way. Are you understanding? So we need to make sure that one of the topics we need to be addressing in social media, and I think a big one, is the heart issue stuff. Sexuality, depression, emotional and psychological health, assurance of salvation. How does the process of salvation work? How can I actually keep the law of God? Like, these young people are wrestling, and obviously our adults are wrestling too. We've got to find ways to address this. So those are just some examples of questions that young people are asking, but I see them everywhere, guys. Conference schools, self-supporting schools, it's the same. I mean, some schools have more issues than others as far as the questions I'm getting, but the point is this issue is not discriminating between self-supporting schools and conference schools. It isn't. And when I preach at universities, I'm finding the same thing. And when they hear pictures of God that are healthy, it's like bomb from heaven to them. They could not believe that God was that much better than they thought he would be. So this is one of the things I think we need to be... Pre now, obviously, we have a very peculiar and unique message. We can't just do one or the other. My recommendation is that we do both and that we contextualize our unique message in the cross of Christ. And I think we can find traction that way. Now, some examples. I mentioned my friend Jasper. I'm just kind of doing like some screenshots here. You can find these people on Facebook or other places. Jasper started with what he had. And he just kept growing and he got better equipment over time. When he would get new equipment, he would donate it to missionaries in the Philippines. And then he'd just keep doing this. 
But Jasper has a really good knack at posting stuff that gets a lot of response. He has views in the millions. I think he's got like two to three million views. He made a video called, he has a YouTube channel called Tell Them Ministry. All one word, Tell Them Ministry. Most of his stuff is on Facebook now, but his older stuff is there. And he has this video called El Nido. El Nido. It's a place in the Philippines that's absolutely gorgeous. And he posts this video. He did a lot of drone footage. It was just drone footage, like a Phantom 3 series, maybe a Phantom 3 Pro drone. He edits it. It looks fantastic. And he got over a million views on Facebook. This Filipino kid who's an associate pastor, he just did this for fun in the Philippines. Got over a million views. He gets contacted by Philippines Airlines and they say, hey, we want to pay you to do work for us. He's posted other things. He was contacted by the Miss Universe pageant a year ago and said, we want you to do the aerial videography for our pageant. And he says, I want to go to the event of the universe, GYC. I can't help you. And he didn't make it to GYC, but he turned it down. A colorist from Marvel Studios, which is like X-Men and Spider-Man and, and Marvel's like a comic book brand, but they also have movies now, and Thor and other stuff, I think. A colorist, someone who does color grading for Marvel Studios, contacted Jasper and said, I think your stuff is really good and you have a lot of potential. I'm willing to give you free lessons weekly just so you can keep growing your gifts. This guy's not an Adventist, right? But he's reaching out. Jasper has, what he did at the end of that video was he either put a quote from Ella White or scripture, I forget which, and Philippines Airlines post that video because it's awesome. And yet scripture's at the end of the video or an Ella White quote. I think, it's, I think it was actually an Ella White quote. And he did multiple videos like that and got a lot of traction. And... So he's found traction by just getting beautiful content out there. People notice, they share, they share, they share. A lot of his stuff is nature photography, things of beautiful places in nature, but he's doing more people stuff too. But anyway, that's one example that I've seen of, of people. He's had people literally contact him on YouTube and other places saying, hey, will you give me Bible studies? Out of the blue, what do you think he said? You betcha. There's a resource of, from someone who's way smarter than I am. This girl's an absolute rocket scientist when it comes to this stuff. And I'm so glad the church hired her. She worked for the North American Division. Her name is Jamie Jean Schneider Dom. Now, um, she has a Facebook page where they're creating a ton of resources and a website to know how to do a targeting campaign. How, because this is something that social media is really good for, but most of our churches don't know how to do it. So we have this event, we have an evangelistic series, and we want people in the surrounding community to know that this exists, but we don't know how to use Facebook to do targeted ads. Well, she's developing resources to teach us how to do that. In fact, she's doing, a, she's doing the seminar with me at GYC too on that very topic, I think Thursday afternoon. So it'll be on Audioverse if you can't go there, but she's gonna teach how to do the whole process of a campaign, targeting, advertising, everything. Uh, but they're making great, great resources. There's blog posts. Um, that's the Facebook page. The website is sdadata.org. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, sdadata.org. Uh, there's a guy, his name is Justin. I always forget how to pronounce his last name, so I'm sorry, Justin. It's K-H-O-E. Is it Koo or Ko? Koo. I thought it was Koo, but it doesn't look like that, so I almost didn't say it. Anyway, he started a YouTube channel just vlogging, doing Christian topics. And when I was on an ASI evangelism think tank with him in the spring of 2016, he only had, I think he was just under a thousand subscribers at that stage. And he was trying to find ways to grow that. Well, today he has 39,338 subscribers. He's gaining traction. <laughs> Non-Aventist Christians are recommending his channel as far as top Christian vlogs to look at. 
So he's finding ways to get different information out there. Uh, he, like, he, did a, he did a video on our Best Pathways to Health events. He said, this is what my church does, which I think was a great outreach because I think it's one of the best things our church has done in years. It's just phenomenal what they're doing. Another ministry that's doing a pretty awesome work is Lineage Journey. How many people have seen any of these videos on, Adventist, or on church history? They're filming season two right now of Adventist church history. That's going to be the second season. Every Wednesday they release videos. The one this week was amazing. Uh, a bunch of low light footage. Really, really well done. But what they're doing, since this is the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, they're creating a bunch of videos. They're like five to six minutes. Adam Ramden is kind of giving the, the historical background. He condenses stuff down to be short and interesting, but they're beautifully and impeccably filmed and edited. Right? They're doing stuff with excellence, which gets people's attention. And now I think they're averaging about 14 to 15,000 views per video that they post to Facebook. Here's a side point. For whatever reason, videos get more traction on Facebook if you upload them directly to Facebook than link them to a YouTube link. I don't know why. I don't understand all the ins and outs, but they get more views and more traction that way. Upload them directly there and upload them to YouTube. Upload them twice. It actually gets better traction. But you can find them. They've got YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Lineage Journey. Great project. Uh, another initiative done by the NAD and the something, education, something, something, I forget. The Adventist Learning Center. Um, they've started a series, and Jamie Jean Schneider's been working with them to kind of track the results. That's been getting some decent traction, too. The I Believe Bible Project. Uh, they've got these videos that are supposed to be thought-provoking, dealing with issues that are relevant to young people. A lot of it's just editing uh, more than filming, but they're getting some traction. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. There's also other pretty awesome things that happen. It's one of the ways it kind of unites brethren in supporting each other, right? Dwayne Lemon had need, needed an emergency heart surgery and was able to raise a whole lot of money that way to help cover his expenses. Uh, Lisa, right, the evangelism VP for uh, GYC, also had to have a surgery that people were able to receive, uh, were able to do like, a, what do they call those, crowdfunding or source funding sites? And Melody Mason's mom getting cancer treatment. There's many other examples. But you can also awaken people to other folks' needs through social media, right? They may not be able to do this, but they could give, Right? They can pray and they can give. It's a great platform to open people's eyes. As long as we don't overuse this, right? Like, I need gas money, right? I, I wouldn't recommend opening a, a GoFundMe account for gas money. But what I'm finding is that when you get content out there on the internet, people find it, right? It may not be a large amount of people. I had no idea how much impact Audioverse had until I had stuff on Audioverse. And I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. I just got an email from someone in Asia two weeks ago who said, I used to be, you know, a leader in my church. I was running AYs, and, you know, I was just on fire for God. But then I got this job that I have to work on the Sabbath to get insurance. I've fallen away from God. I don't know how to be saved. I don't know what to do. Please help me. Someone in Asia, I don't know them. I've never met them, may never meet them. But because they had heard something I shared on Audioverse, they private messaged me on Facebook and said, can you please help me? Now, granted, what I'm doing may be different than what you do, right, as far as public speaking and having more access, but content still gets in people's hands, right? And I actually had, I've not had to make a car payment since May because of a sermon I put on Audioverse. And I was talking to high school kids about an issue we'd gone through at work. Finances were really tight. Things were going on. I was just proving a point to the young people that God hears when we're in desperate situations and that God cares. That was only the point I made, that a friend sent a text at the perfect time to show me God heard my prayer. And yet I get a message on, on Facebook 
like a week after he'd been on Audioverse. And it was someone that I had met at uh, one of our universities. They'd messaged me before and said, the messages have been a blessing, thanks so much. And uh, I heard your, your message and you've been a blessing to me. I wanna be a blessing to you. How much is your car payment? I wanna pay your car payment this month. And I thought, okay. And so I, I gave the information. And then eight days later, I'm telling this story to a friend of mine. First of all, how I got the car, which is a total miracle. And then as I'm telling them this story, I said, and this other guy messaged me today. And while I'm talking to them, I messaged that guy back. He says, do you have a PayPal? Now I'm thinking like, I don't know, do I? Like, I don't know what you're about. I don't know if this is, you know, some shenanigans or what, but he'd messaged me before. So I thought it was a real person. I assumed it was, it was. And I said, well, for me or for the ministry, just to kind of vet the situation, he says, for you, and how much is your car payment? I want to help out. You got to be kidding me. Like, I just, I'm telling the story to my friends and this happens again. So I tell him how much the car payment is and he sends me three car payments plus a tithe. As I'm telling the story, you know, it's like 340, I think, or 341 is the car payment. And what I get from this guy is like 1100 and something dollars. And I thought, uh, what? Like, was this a typo? And he says, I sent three car payments plus a tithe. I didn't ask for it. The same guy, like a month and a half ago, gave me two more car payments. I don't have to make a car payment till November. Now, it doesn't always work this way. Don't get your hopes up. I didn't ask for it. It just came out of nowhere. But when you go into mission work, God provides. That's the point. And I use the car for ministry. I go all over the country. But I've had people message me and do things like this because either stuff that's posted or stuff, whether it be messages or other posts, it, it resonates with them. And this is one of the beautiful things about social media. It's not just you posting stuff. There's also a side where they can have a private conversation. And it may be the safe place for them because they, they're not going to put it in your wall. Hey, I don't know Jesus and I need help, right? I'm struggling with depression, right? I need counseling for this or counseling for that. But these offer venues for people to have a safe place to receive answers because what you're posting resonates with them. What you're saying seems to resonate with them. Does that make sense? Now, my recommendation is to just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. I know that doesn't sound all that exciting, but we as a church are, are just getting to a point where we're kind of getting our bearings and finding what's working, right? We don't have a lot of like, to my understanding, which is limited, we don't have a lot of people that are just absolutely killing it, right? They preach the Adventist message with perfect fidelity. They don't water it down and they're getting like 50,000 baptisms from their Facebook page. Like, I don't know of anything like that, but the amount of, and even people getting millions of subscribers, we're not quite there, right? If you look at the World Church's page and go look at different ministries, we're not quite there, but people are recognizing the need. And I praise God. I fully believe, and I've told Jamie this, she's a friend, but I told her, I think that what God is doing with you at the NAD has prophetic significance. Because we, we have this platform, but we just don't know what to do with it. And we don't have people that are that deeply knowledge in it, working with the church to help the church succeed. And God is doing something about that. Things are changing. And I see the church starting to get traction. And that's really good news. Pray for your church. Pray for your church leadership. Pray for our evangelistic efforts. I know that Dwight Nelson just did his Hope Trending series. And they, they tried some different things by using social media, by having people be able to chat and be available right away when a message ended, doing more of a TED Talks format than discussions and so forth. We're just going to keep trying stuff to see if we can get things to stick. Now, as long as we stick within principle, I'm fine with that. But if we start abandoning principle to get people to like us, that's always a gnarly road. And I don't recommend that, right? Stick to principle. God will take care of you. But again, just keep uploading. Keep doing the work. Keep trying. You will find what resonates with people in your sphere of influence and find ways to keep growing it. Does that make sense?
And if stuff resonates with them, they're going to start sharing what you're posting. And then their friends will see what you're doing. Does that make sense? Focus on building relationships. Discipleship is not just changing someone's philosophical views. That's not discipleship. And evangelism shouldn't just be that. We have a message that is different than what people may be currently believing. But we shouldn't just be convincing them to believe something else. We need to be laboring for their hearts. The only way that we're going to get these types of questions out of people is by dealing with heart issues. And when you deal with heart issues, they want to talk. And I've seen this all around this country. And here's the thing. When I preach on heart issues, when I'm focusing on messages to young people, you'll never believe it. I'm getting messages from Seventh-day Adventist adults who are finding assurance of salvation. It's relevant to both, but we've got to deal with the heart issues. The older generation is receiving just as much as a blessing as the younger generation. It's interesting how you can actually do both generations when you deal with this type of stuff. And I'm getting heavy questions from people. So focus on building relationships, and that takes time. Don't assume that I post one verse and people are going to get baptized. It, praise God if that happens. But build relationships. Get to know them, right? Reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I, I see that you do this. What's that like? Do you like what you do? What's your family like, right? Build in the same way that you would build a relationship in person. You can build relationships that way. Be consistent. Don't be like Lot. Don't try to live a righteous life while being comfortable around foolishness, right? When we have this dissonance in our posts, in our feeds, people don't know what to do with that. It's more difficult for them to take you seriously when you try to be spiritual. Does that make sense? So that's, that's something else to keep in mind. This is not the most profound statement you've ever heard in your life, but it's still true. God can do something with something, but he can't do anything with nothing. Right? God cannot use the sermon you didn't preach to win people. God cannot use the Bible study you never gave to reach someone. God can never use the post that you never did to reach somebody. Try something. If you don't get any traction, try something else. The point is, you have access to people that I don't have access to people. And there's a reason for that. They're there. Wrestle with Jesus. Get on your knees, put your face in the rug if you have to, and ask God, I see that I have a precious opportunity before me, but I don't know what to do with it. I see that this is important. I see that something needs to happen. You know, how do I use it? And I believe if you take that step of faith, God is going to give you insights. Then start paying attention to the people around you. And what you'll begin to see is God's going to start showing you what's going on in people's hearts and minds. I guarantee you. This happens all the time in ministry. When you start asking, what do you want from me? You start paying more attention to the people around you and what's going on in their life. Wait a minute. This person's wrestling with such and such. It comes out in your discussion. Hey, I need to find a way to deal with this issue with them, right? To build that friendship, to build that dialogue. So I wanted to allot a little bit of time here just to be able to have some form of maybe questions. If I don't have answers, I'm just going to tell you I don't know. Talk to Jamie <laughs> or someone else. But I, if I don't have answers, I can get you in contact with people who do, or I will find out and get back with you. But I just want to give some type of, of open forum for you to be able to ask questions to maybe see if anything is resonating. But has this been practical and helpful, yes or no? Are we, are we getting anywhere with this, or does this sound like too vague? Because I need to, to continue to improve this. The first sight of the gentleman that was... Jasper? Videos, yes. Jasper Ivan Aturiega, I-T-U-R-R-I-A-G-A. Well, what is the... Uh, just, just type his name in Facebook. Okay. Um, you will find some pretty amazing stuff, too. Like, if you just type names in the Facebook bar, it's like the new Google, and you can find out everything. 
Yeah, Jasper Ivan Aturiega. And, uh, sorry, I-T-U-R-R-I-A-G-A. And his YouTube channel is Tell Them Ministry. But it has everything from like when he first started until like a year ago. Everything else has been on Facebook. So he's done some devotional videos for Tosh Pakleb, if you've seen those. He's filming season, he was part of Linnea's journey. He's filming season two himself uh, with Linnea's journey. But anyway, he's, he has these gorgeous photos. Like this picture here is something he took um, while out hiking. He wakes up really early and takes amazing sunrise photos and other things. Um, yeah, so he's getting a lot of traction. And again, people that aren't religious have a lot of respect for this kid and what he's doing, which is good. Use that influence, whatever you got, right? Um, if you're good at, like, Anthony, is it Anthony Bosman? Yeah, in Michigan, is that his first name, Anthony? I think it is. Anyway, he's like this really smart mathematician guy. He teaches, he's like an assistant professor at Andrews. So he posts this stuff about math that makes no sense to me, but I'm sure it makes sense to other people and people like it, right? Use whatever context you have. If you're bilingual, post bilingual things. Uh, the resources, again, that I mentioned, sdadata.org, uh, or their Facebook page is at Digi Evangelism, D-I-G-I Evangelism. As far as a couple of the resources to follow up on. It's a good question. Any other questions about social media, how to get involved, moral questions, other questions? Yeah, Vlasta. Um, a couple months ago, I noticed on, uh, on the YouTube, there was a guy that did a Bible study on a certain topic, right? So I noticed he was just in his room very plain background, just basically a door in the room, and he was going basically verse by verse by verse by verse by verse, you know, very systematic, very nice, about 25 minutes long, though, he had so many comments, like, yeah. people really interested, nothing yeah. negative, you know, yeah. nothing like bullying, making fun of the topic, and so on, people are like, man, I've been questioning for so long, man, my pastor doesn't like it, but hey, man, you prove it, you know, yeah. and there's so many followers, and I look another video yet, another one, another one. I'm like, this guy must be actually. Is it Mark Fox? I forgot the name. Man. The guy with the mustache? Forget even that picture. Sorry, yeah. could be. Yeah. Man, I was like, man, how, how simple. Yeah. How simple. And what I realized after watching like three of those was that uh, he had a tons of people already following him yeah. and want to study the lessons. But people were not distracted by the beauty of the background, right. any fancy, it was plain, plain wall and the yeah. door, and it was that far. Every video was the same corner of the room. Yeah, content is king. Just on the message. Yeah, content is king. And you, just see what you can do. Sebastian Braxton is doing like every Monday, he's doing Facebook Live Bible studies, right? He's now CEO of the New Life Challenge, it's a health ministry, so they're going to get interest from people who aren't Adventist. Um, there's people who are, I mean, Chris Hudson's blowing it up too, right? He was using Periscope, uh, the Forerunner. He was getting a lot of traction doing different things. Little Light Studios is starting to do some different stuff. They're not just doing documentaries. Uh, I, I just ran out of time to finish my presentation as much as I'd like to do just because I've been traveling so much for today, but for, so I don't have slides for them. But Little Light Studios, like they're doing this video Bible study series where they're asking us to give a Bible study in five minutes or less, which is hard, by the way. Uh, but it's rewarding when you get it right. But they started that. Uh, they're also doing this talk program. It's called uh, Small Talk. Greg Wilson started it himself, and then now he's kind of incorporated it into Little Light. They got this awesome-looking set. Scotty does the most amazing things with this set design. What you see Little Light Studios doing is in Scotty's basement, right? And it just looks amazing. 
and it doesn't cost a lot of money. He goes to Home Depot, he builds this stuff himself. The chairs and small talk, Scotty built himself by watching a YouTube video, I think. He even dyed the fabric for the seat cushions, right? He, he did all the work himself and stuffed them himself and sewed them. So there's, there's ways in which other ministries are getting traction. They're trying different things. If it looks better, it's going to hold people's attention better than something that doesn't, right? You want to strive for something that's appealing and engaging, but if that's all you got and that's all you can do, God can still use it, right? People will still pay attention. Mark Fox is another one. Forever Free is his ministry name. He's actually the uncle of my, of my former boss, one of the founders of Unseen Media Group. And he addresses current topics, right? He deals with Bible study issues and gets a whole lot of views. There's also a guy, he is in um, South Africa, Namibia area. His name is Neville Neveling. And they started doing Bible studies and full evangelistic series through WhatsApp, through a chat group. And they're baptizing people with this. They're blowing it up because it stays, the recording stays within the file. And he literally has gone to so much work that he ha- every single thing that he says are actually three-minute sound bites that he intentionally presents in a way that will keep people's attention. It has like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And he does a full sermon that way. How he has the patience to do that, I don't know, but they're having great results. They're going to start doing English anytime now. He actually was just speaking to the North American Division or the GC, I think, about what he's doing, the GC. And it's pretty phenomenal what they're achieving. They're baptizing people, and they're even having church services this way, where people can participate to eventually plug them in, because where they are is a pretty, you know, spread out area. It's not like you can go door to door in that place without having like a vehicle. It's just big distances between one property and another. But just like, who would have thought of using WhatsApp to give an evangelistic series? But God had given him a series of experiences that just primed him for this, he was invited to speak at some place because he met somebody at some other location. They said, you should bring this guy. He goes, he meets someone that's doing something like this in Asia, I think, somewhere. Something similar. He takes it and uses his background in radio and other things to make it even better, and they're having great results. This is what I mean. Like The, the, the possibilities are limitless. The point is the internet is giving you access to people all over the world. Lay this thing before God and ask him, how can I use this for you? You may not have wisdom, but guess what? He does. But he needs someone who's willing, someone who's willing to make a fool of themselves in front of a camera to at least try, right? Do something. God can do something with something. He can't do anything with nothing. So if you give him what you do have, he can bless it. Any other questions? Yeah, Dr. Hauser. You're on YouTube sometimes or, or, or on some of these social media sites and you see, you know, how many views there are. There's some that have 300 views or, you yeah. know, I mean, it, it it hasn't really exploded. What are some of the secrets but of, of, of getting a message out there, connecting it with other people so that it has as much exposure as possible and, and, and makes those, I mean, what, what are some of the ways you can do that? I was talking to a guy at, at ASI this last year and uh, he actually uh, works for, for, um, for Google okay. and uh, in Silicon Valley. And so we were talking about some of these things, but he was working more in the background, so he didn't have too much information. But I was just wondering, because sometimes you have things on YouTube, it's just a few views. Yeah. There's others that have, you know, 20 million or something. Yeah, it, connection is key. Like, you getting access to people who have access to people who have access to people is what causes these things to blow up. But it's got to resonate with the first person. Right. And even though the content, you know, may be scripturally sound, 
and inspiring to an Adventist. There may just be something about the way that it's presented, the personality of the person. There's a lot of variables. One of the things I like that Jamie addresses in her presentations is analytics. You actually see what demographics watched this, what age were they? Did they watch this on their phone, on their smart TV, or on their computer? And you can start to just try to, based upon the analytics at hand, figure out what is it about this that resonated with people. And find people who are doing something similar and having success and try something similar, right? This is a lot of what happens is you say, well, what, what are the best practices? And you try implementing those, if you can within principle, right? If they're doing ridiculous stuff, we're not gonna do that. But there's a rather in-depth science to it that we're still trying to figure out ourselves. What I am finding is dealing with heart issues gets traction. It does get traction. And because it, it, they, we feel like there's this dearth of access to content like this. So find, it doesn't have to be the most cinematically beautiful thing, but we're working on that. We as a ministry are, are beginning a process of filming some devotionals to try to deal with one. Like I just did one in the desert of California called Bad Religion and making the point that God's not responsible for the harm caused to you by religious people. Just kind of separating God from what those people did to you. And you know, other topics that we're working on too that I think we need to have the courage to step out in some of these areas and address them because I believe Adventism has the best answers available. Like we, we have the spirit of prophecy and scripture. We have phenomenal resources at our disposal. And we, for whatever reason, seem to have committed the same sin of Kellogg a lot of times that we separate emotional and psychological health from the health message. And so just eat right and you'll be right. The problem is there's a lot of baggage and woundedness that people are contending with, which mind cure in ministry of healing. We have two full volumes of mind, character, and personality dealing with a lot of these issues, let alone the gospel, the story of how Elijah was dealt with in the midst of his depression, how God viewed him. We have a treasure trove of info that we may not quote Ella White, and that's what we're going to do in our devotionals. I'm not going to quote Ella White, but I will give some of those perspectives to people in the videos. Find ways to contextualize to the people you're wanting to reach, and you're just going to find it by doing. This didn't work. Let's try something different, and you just keep going. The people who go viral don't go viral immediately unless it's just something ridiculous like Charlie bit my finger. Like you, that same person isn't going to top that again. It just lightning struck, you know. But analytics are helpful to know who's watching and what they're doing. Find people who are doing something similar to what you want to do, and how are they doing? Are they succeeding or are they not succeeding, right? And kind of take some lessons from them. And if they're open to telling you what lessons they learned, do it. I call anybody I can that knows about stuff that I don't know, and I ask questions. How did you get here? What did you learn? Because I'm trying to save time, right? just, just for practicality's sake. Like, I don't want to invent the wheel again. If this person's doing it well, but we're going to do it in a different area, how did you get here? So that would, that would be another thing, getting best practices. I believe you had a question? Yes. Um, you know, one thing I struggle with, and I wonder if I'm being psycho-rigid about this, but, you know, when you represent a ministry and then you follow someone on Twitter or you follow someone on Facebook, right, they're Christians, but they're, they don't have all the truth. So they're yeah. posting things about, you know, yeah. the dead, you know, right. God, you know all, right. all kinds of theologically not sound as we know it to be sound. So I struggle with, well, should I follow these people? Because I know that I grow my network as I follow them. However, am I endorsing their theology as I follow them? So right. that I, I wrestle with that. And I, I don't know things. Well, I could be dead wrong in this, but I'm, I'm left with the impression that you probably have friends like I have who shouldn't be posting the stuff they're posting right now, who are Seventh-day Adventists. I don't know if you have that situation or not, but like people who can't keep their politics to themselves, people who can't stop criticizing Ted Wilson or Dan Jackson or other people. Uh, 
No, I, I get that. My point is that when it comes to the moral side of being friends with people who don't see like we do, I'm friends with Seventh-day Adventists who say a lot of stuff that I wish they didn't say, and I, and I had to see that, I guess is my point. Um, if you feel that it's having a negative impact on you, I would unfollow them, right? No, no, but no, and that's fine. But my point would be that there's this nice feature, particularly in Facebook, that you can unfollow them but still be their friend. They can still see your post, but you don't have to see their foolishness. So there's still ways which you can navigate that. You can kind of weed some of that out. If I understood you right, you're basically following, like, say, someone who's Baptist, right? They're right. sharing really good stuff, but then right. you don't follow it all the way, right? And you're wondering, like, well, well is it wrong? Is it good? It's not theologically sound, yeah, yeah. Right. like the state of the dead, right. or, you know, Sunday, or, you know, things yeah. like that that we know are not yeah. sound. Yeah. Am I endorsing them because I'm back? Yeah. So, so those platforms are intended for dialogue, but... The point is, if, if you feel that it's detrimental to your own experience, I would recommend that you unfollow. If it isn't detrimental to your experience, I would use that relationship to be a good influence on them. Does that make sense? Because some of those same thoughts taken to their conclusion in person-to-person relationships would cause us to have a very similar history to the nation of Israel, where we kind of isolate ourselves from people we don't agree with or from people that don't. And in turn, who's going to tell them about the truth? God wanted them to be a lighthouse to the world around them, not to be people who were, were isolated. I, I think you're asking a very valid question. I don't want you to feel like it was a bad question or it's not a good thing to ask. I would say that based upon your own individual experience, if this is hurting your spiritual experience, then you need to unfollow. If it isn't and you just disagree, find ways to build bridges with these people to show them what it is that you believe. Because they are obviously posting what they believe, which gives you fair license to post what you believe. Does that make sense? But not in an argumentative discourse. Do yourselves a favor and search these two words in the Ellen White app, argumentative discourse, and then take quotes from that and post them on your Facebook page, because I don't think our brethren have read them, some of our brethren. So I would recommend that. Um, yeah, we, we need to tithe a lot more of our comments than we have. Um, any other questions? We got like five more minutes. Good questions, though. Going once. Yes. I have a comment. Sure. Um, actually, we do uh, WhatsApp, like you said, with people in Africa, some in, um, in America, some outside of the South America. But we do kind of the same thing. We start with a few people, but now we have a lot of people. But one thing that she said, um, I have people on Facebook that sometimes they post things publicly. Yeah. But I don't want to do it publicly because it's going to cause that contention. Right. So sometimes I go to them privately to them, just to them so they're more open to yeah so i just ask them questions that saying this is wrong sure just send them stuff make them think many yeah. of them they don't know like many of us i wasn't seven adventists yeah so i never knew so many things i thought was right i came to find out i was wrong so just reason with them or use a better platform yeah to reach them and he makes a good point in this particular circumstance that it's easy for us to see something that we don't agree with and we feel that we have to say something immediately um, because we feel that truth is being defamed. But if we did that in our evangelism in every situation, we would chase people out before we got a chance to win them and bring them in. So I recommend when you see that a conversation feed is starting to get a little uh, chippy and a little us versus them e and, and things like that, you, since it's your post, you have to moderate that. And if you have brethren that are causing issues, you can block them. And I would encourage you to block them. 
because it ends up making you look worse. Whenever someone who believes that you believe, but treats the other person like a punching bag, not like you would, it ends up causing more difficulties. And so we are responsible for what's on our feed, not what other people are doing. And if the conversation gets ugly, shut it down. And what I would do is if you see that people have deep questions, instead of giving this long diatribe Bible study, I would use the private message feeds that exist in these platforms to then start having further dialogue, if that makes sense. That way it just kind of separates this argumentative discourse from your evangelistic opportunities through social media. But we just don't really seem to have the tact to recognize that sometimes. And in turn, we chase people away because all this person wants to do is be right. They don't want to talk. And if you look at some of these arguments, you'll hear other people say that. You're not listening. You just want to be right. And even if they are right, they're wrong in how they're discoursing. Does that make sense? The rules of, of just civil discourse, because people don't, they're not in the same room as me, I can, I can check my religion at the door? No, 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 right? Tact and civility have to be used, right? If your religious experience is of the sort that it causes you to lose your religion when talking about religion to other religious people, it's not a religious experience worth having. I'm just saying. Okay. So I guess I just have a whole other question. And yeah. To echo her. So like, say if you're following, I follow a lot of people, all sorts of religion. Right? Sure. Because Adventists really were lacking a lot of ability broadcasting media-wise. For right. Like underdogs in that media right. field. Right. In this uh, field, yeah. Yeah, compared to like other yeah. outreach companies and yeah. media companies. And I think that's what you were kind of saying. Like, is it appropriate to share it with other people? Like, I share stuff all the time, right? And within it, you know, they're talking about, oh, people are in heaven and stuff, but like the core message of right. it is important. It's right. beautiful. The way they presented it, right. it was just perfect that you wouldn't want to not share it. Right. Is that, that wrong? Is that now, that's something you have to be a little bit more careful about because what you're saying is what you're endorsing, right? And if that's the question you were asking, I thought you meant you being friends with them, but if you're saying reposting. Okay. But to take that to the next phase with what you're saying, it's difficult and it's frustrating. Yeah. Like, 90% awesome, 10% heresy. Like, it's, it's, like it's, it's pretty much 99% right. David Platt has some phenomenal stuff. He's written some amazing books, but one of his main premises is we have to go overseas and reach these people or they're going to burn in hell forever if we don't. Just like, ah. Like he has so many, like he punches American Christianity in the face in such an awesome way that we need that he has phenomenal resources, but then you have stuff like that. I would make that a matter of prayer. I, I don't have a lot of this say at the Lord's when it comes to stuff like this. Right. Say if it's like 90% right. Right. And that person you're sharing with, like your friends that aren't even an right. not even Christian, you're giving God power to work in their lives. Yes, There's but... There's in there that eventually down their Christian life and spiritual life. I know, but, but this road of compromise leads to pretty ugly places at the end. And I, I would tread very cautiously when it's glaringly a difference in opinion theologically, right? This isn't someone of like, they believe this about the nature of Christ as an Adventist. I believe this about the nature of Christ as an Adventist. Like if it's foundationally different about the character and image of God, it's not fully true. Does that make sense? Like if, it's, if it paints a picture of God that isn't healthy and isn't theologically true, I can't endorse it, even if they're close, right? That shuts us from outreaching to other ministries, as in other denominations? No, I don't. Because our message, I believe, the whole reason that I am a Seventh-day Adventist is because I found here what I didn't find elsewhere. So what I would do, and this is, this is, let me just ride this hobby horse for a second. We have a far more beautiful picture of the gospel than the liberals do. And don't let them take that and claim that as theirs. 
instead of complaining about them only talking about Jesus, do a better job of talking about Jesus than they do. My recommendation would be if they have a point that's wise, you can make a similar point, but make it true. Does that make sense? We're called to be a peculiar people, and we don't have to concede on that. And I believe that the message we have, I don't want to make it sound like the superiority complex, but I'm just saying that God gave us this message for a specific reason. If you're a member of this movement, and we have a better presentation of that, or a better overall view of that particular point, then I would make that view, as opposed to reposting something that isn't fully true. I just think once you start on that track, and particularly since I'm, I'm sharing on Audioverse and other things, like I could not in good conscience tell you, yes, that's the way that I would do it, right? It, so I would, I would tread cautiously with stuff that isn't true. Now, if you have an evangelical or David Platt or somebody else who's posting things that, my computer died, but it's over anyway, um, who's, who posts something that is true, that's a whole other situation, right? There's no glaring like 90%, but then this, that's a whole other situation that I would recommend that you pray about. And wonder, you know, does that mean that I endorse everything that they do? Well, the thing is, there's ministries in my own church that may have something amazing that they're saying, but I don't agree with them on another particular topic. Like, where does it end? I don't know. Um, I, would res- I would recommend that you wrestle with your own individual conscience of God on it, but I would, I would tread cautiously, certainly. Um, our time has concluded, but I saw one more hand. Is it quick? Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment to add to what you said. We live in a society where everybody is very socially a generation very socially media oriented, but what I see is that they're very empty inside, mm-hmm. very socially media being oriented. And uh, I know people that post a lot on social media that are amazing things, but when you meet them in person, they're, 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 they're not the same person they yeah. post. So I would say we need to just back up whatever we put on social media with the lives that we live. Yeah, that's a great point. To, yeah. The lives, the kindness, and love, there'd be 100 conversions now to there's one. Yeah. Um, it, the idea, this is actually one of the biggest things that can be a hindrance to reaching Muslims, is they're very orthopraxic, meaning they're watching what you're doing and seeing if it's in harmony with what you say and what you claim to believe. And I think the same thing goes for social media, that we need to be, we need to live the message, not just type it in 140 characters or less or, or put pictures about it. And I think it's a good point to close on that the consistency of your life that's in harmony with the message that you share brings greater power to what you have to say. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the lesson that we learned from the life of Lot. So I hope this has been somewhat practical and helpful. I think there's some more things I still need to learn to make this better. But I hope this has been at least a start. Um, more resources are coming from our church, and I praise God for that. I believe that um, in the next year or so, we're going to have more than we've had. Um, we already have more than we have had, but I think it's only going to get better and more traction is being had. So let's close with a word of prayer then, and then we will uh, let you guys go. God in heaven, I just thank you for how faithful you are to us, that you want the world reached more than we do, and you have better discernment and understanding as to how to do so. God, I want to take a moment to thank you that this platform exists to be able to get access to people through the internet all around the world. And I just pray that you would teach us how to responsibly and evangelistically use it in a way that will bring glory to you and will bring many more into the fold. Lord, we were pioneers in television and radio, but for whatever reason, we've lagged behind in this. And Babylonians are running far ahead of us. I pray that you would change that, that you would open doors for us to use this for the glory of God, and that Revelation 18, 14 and 18 can happen, that the beautiful message of Christ our righteousness and the soon coming Savior would be given to the world in ways that was never before imaginable. And we ask this now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. 
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.